Welcome to the Glow Church Podcast. We are a global church committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus around the world. I'd love to invite you to join us for a service at any of our locations or join us online for our live stream service. I trust that today's message will bring hope and purpose to your life. We're in the um, uh, discipleship series and we've been doing lots of weeks and we've been talking about the foundations of our faith, the formation of our faith, and now we're into continuing our faith. So, you know, what's that first step in our foundations? Well, coming to Christ, who is Jesus, right? And experiencing the Father's love. Formation is growing in my faith, growing, praying and reading my Bible. Bible? Yes, that thing. Reading it, the Word of God and continuing. How do I take that message that Jesus gave? and the ministry that he showed and live it out in the life, in the world that I live in. That's what today's about. So it's like, I'm a follower of Jesus, now what? We're continuing the message and ministry of Christ. So today's topic is praying for the sick. Praying for the sick. Matthew 4, 23 to 24. And Jesus went through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread. Can you imagine him on social media? His fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him everyone who was sick, those who were afflicted with all kinds of diseases and pains, and those who were oppressed by demons, those even having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. We live in a fallen world and sometimes it falls on us. And one of those anvils, one of those moments of that crashing down is in the area of sickness. God never intended for sickness. God never intended for there to be pain and suffering. We have to know that. The picture that we're given is a garden with First humans are interacting with God in such an amazing way. God is walking with them every day, spending time with them, talking to them. There's no arguments. There's no conflict. There is no uh, any form of disease. There is no death. There's no death. That God's original plan is a world that was beautiful and and where we could enjoy and flourish, but something takes place. And the scriptures use the word, a disobedience takes place, a, a separating us from God. And it just, it's the fall. I think Pastor Josh used it this morning. The fall takes place. And all of a sudden, what was paradise to us and what was wonderful to us is closed and barred. And God puts a barrier up. He doesn't want to, but he has to. It puts a barrier up so we can't enter that place because he's got another plan. I mean, to be honest with you, there there was no backup plan, right? God knew that we would stuff up. God knew that there would be evil present in the world. God knew that there would be all kinds of disobedience. And yet he still created us. And he still showed us what the true world should look like. There was never a plan B. Jesus dying for us wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like, oh, uh, man's done the wrong thing. What do you think we should do? Should we do anything? 
It wasn't like that. He knew from all eternity because he loved you before you were born. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, he knew you. There's no way he was going to stop that happening. There's no way he was going to stop your existence just because he knew disobedience was going to take place. Why? Because God ultimately loves every human being and he sees every one of us as his children and he wants us to enter back into that relationship with him. And we see right through the scriptures, this barrier appears. When Noah, when the ark is built, the Bible says God shut the door because there's a barrier. And when you come to the temple of God, there's a curtain between us and the presence of God But because there's a barrier. But when Jesus dies, when Jesus dies, that, that veil, that curtain, it's torn, not from the bottom up, not from the side to side. It is torn from the top to the bottom, from God to man, because God always had the desire to have relationship with you. And if you don't know Christ today. You can know him because he's made a way for you to accept. All you need to do is this. Do you remember the day of your birth? No. But that day of your birth, that physical day, that day where you were born into this world, Jesus offers a spiritual birth. He called, he says, you can be born again. And we do it by receiving him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should never perish, but have eternal life. That is the gift of God. I'm not crying. That is the gift of God. That is the gift of God to us. Eternal life through Christ. There is no barrier. If you're a believer today and you feel there's an obstacle between you and God, it's not from God. It's not on God's side. You have access, the Bible says, to the presence of God, to the throne room of God. I'm getting my steps in as well. We live in a fallen world. Falls on us, but God has made a way. And one day the veil of this world will be taken away and that which is truly to come will be before us. And that'll be a day, I can tell you now, there will be no more pain and there will be no more suffering. But today, today we live in the tension between the now and the not yet. I don't know what background you've come from. I know I've got a lot of friends that have come from Baptist churches and reformed groups and got a lot of Pentecostal friends. And I think there's sometimes there's a barrier between us because sometimes you say the gifts aren't for today. And sometimes we go too far on the other side and we have to find balance. We would do well to appreciate each other. Pentecostals have more practical experience in the use of spiritual gifts and the vitality in worship. If you're willing to learn, you'll come into something fresh and new. The Reformed have a great grasp, a great grasp on the Word of God. Not a perfect grasp, nor do Pentecostals. But we would do well to learn doctrine well as Pentecostals. If we feel that we can learn nothing from each other, we miss out on maybe finding the unity that God has for us. But we, having said that, believe this, that God still heals today. And we've seen hundreds of testimonies over the years 
and praise reports. And so I want to approach this topic with balance and love. So I've got a testimony. I'm going to invite Lara uh, Torellis. Is it Torellis? Is that how we say it? Obzaharis Torellis. They're exotic names, actually, aren't they? Welcome. Nice to have you. So good to be here. Thank you. I was saying to Lara that when she gets married, her name is so nice, the guy should take that name. Like it's something out of Fast and Furious, isn't it, right? Kind of. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Lara, obviously. Um, I'm 19. I'm currently doing Glow College, which is Hello. so amazing. Um, What's um, your favourite lecturer? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. She would have got, I'm the, I'm the coordinator. She would have got free pass to graduation. Now she's going to do a very hard term four. Um, I've got two siblings. I actually lived in Uruguay for five years. So I'm fluent in Spanish and can write in Spanish as well. She's amazing. What's your favourite, what's your favourite dish from there? I feel like we don't have many traditional dishes. It's oh. all pretty standard. Do you do paella? That kind of oh, yeah. My dad cooks a really good paella. Oh, come on. You should have just said that. That's a great dish. It's one of Imogen's favourites. Can we it's... come over sometime? Sure. You've got you to get in when you can, can't you? We'll invite you over. Thank you. Thank you. So I heard your testimony about um, some, a really challenging time when you were growing up. Do you want to tell us about what happened? Sure. Um, so when I was 14 years old, I actually started having really horrible chronic pain in my lower abdomen. So it was horrific. It was an excruciating pain that wouldn't go away. I was in and out of the hospital every month and this went on for about four years. I had blood tests, ultrasounds, any tests you can think of. Nothing gave me any answers. It took a really huge toll on my life, not only my life, but my family's life as well. Um, I ended up having a laparoscopy surgery, which is where they put, make three keyhole incisions in your tummy and stick a camera in there and have a look, see what's going on. Um, again, no answers at all. Um, yeah, so that obviously took a really big toll on my life and I was, I've became depressed, I couldn't go to school, I couldn't hang out with my friends, couldn't spend time with my family, was in bed all day, every day, couldn't do anything. So you missed a lot of school and a lot of social events as a teenager? Yeah, I missed out on lots of things. I didn't go to school, I, I had like so many absences, it was, wasn't good. So did I, but for different reasons. Like, um, that, that must have been a very challenging time. What kind of things were going through your head, even about yourself and God at the time? I thought it was really unfair, like, why is this happening to me? Um, I just wanted to be a normal teenager and be able to go and hang out with my friends and go to school. I, yeah, I was sad. I was angry. I was confused. All of it was running through my head. How long did that, how many years was that? Four years. That was four years. So right up to, up to 18th, your 18th birthday or something yeah. around then. It was on and off after my laparoscopy surgery, but it was still taking a toll on my life. Yeah. Now, you don't look like you're in any pain. No, I'm not. Tell us about what happened. So last year, actually, at our November rain services, um, they were praying for healing and 
I went up and I was prayed for. And that night I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I was healed. And I never had that excruciating pain ever again. Never had that pain again. Never. You had it for four years straight. Wow. That's a great testimony, isn't it? So how, how are you feeling? I feel great. Yeah, I'm thriving. You. Yeah. Let's give her a clap. That's great. She said, Tom, that's enough. Thank you. Thanks, Father. What a wonderful testimony. November rain is a time where we have real expectation for the Spirit of God to move. We make the focus on the Spirit of God. For those of you who've been part of it, we have a lot of worship, a lot of prayer. And I think it's that expectation that lifts faith so that God can move. He's always wanting to move. Conferences in 23 days, God can move if we lift our expectation. If we lift our expectation for 18 days from now and just believe God for the miraculous, for the breakthroughs that we're believing for, let's go for it. Are we starting 10 days of prayer and fasting on Monday? We'll talk about that later, aren't we? Yeah, let's believe God for a miracle. Why not? Let's, let's have more of those kind of testimonies. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, we encounter so many stories of healing. We just, just testifies to God's compassion and mercy and grace. The word healing appears, depends on translation, about 150 times. There's about 150 different miracles and healings mentioned in the Bible. Jesus does about 23. They're, they're recorded because some aren't. Jesus might say he heals everybody. Well, it could have been 20 people, 100 people, 500 people. And many recorded miracles after Christ leaves. Everywhere Jesus goes, he's constantly healing people. He showed his disciples how to heal the sick. He said to them, just do the same thing that I'm doing. Jesus' same message to go and pray for the sick still stands today. This is what Matthew 10, 5, 8 says. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy and cast out those devils. Give as freely as you have received. One of the biggest fears that we have when we're praying for others to get well or healed is, what if nothing happens? What if, no what if something happens? <laughs> what if nothing happens? Will my coworker think I'm weird? Well, maybe. I mean, Imogen comes home a lot. She's working in a Christian school now, but she was at the uni hospital and she was studying at Griffith University. And if people started talking to her about being sick or having problems, she'd often say, can I pray for you? Often, doesn't matter, doesn't matter if they're going to church or not, can I pray for you? How many people said to you no? One, out of the 450,000 people you've prayed for. One, the majority of people will say yes to it. Just don't be weird in that moment. I'd be sensitive in that moment. Depends on the environment. Is it here at church or is it at a around a hospital bed, right? 
Don't be weird about it. You know, laying on of hands, the Bible will read a scripture talking about laying on of hands is such a powerful thing. I don't know why God chose it, but he chose it as, as a, a mechanism for me to be a conduit for his power. Lay hands. You don't have to go with people, right? Let's, let's not be weird about it. Let's just believe for healing. That's what we're called to be. We don't have to be fanatical and we don't have to say all this kind of weird stuff. Jesus never did that. So often he just commands it. He's Jesus. Let's look at um, uh, a couple of things and be balanced. I'll just say, first of all, there's no formula for healing. So when it comes to the gifts um, uh, that are listed, healing there is the only gift listed in plural because God doesn't want us to use a formula every time. He just wants faith to be active. He'll do it in a different way. He'll choose which way. That's why we need to be led. We just need to step into the authority of Jesus' name. It's not about us. It's never about us. So let's look at a few things. Hopefully these truths will help balance a few things out about healing. Number one, Jesus and the disciples and the New Testament church prayed for the sick and so should we. It is right to pray for healing. We are not the healer, but God will use us as his conduit for it. Number two, a high expectation of healing is implied in the Bible. You know, when I've got a headache, I will take a Nurofen, ibuprofen, right? I can tell you now I have a high expectation that my headache's going to go, right? How many of you do that? I mean, you wouldn't take that medicine if you didn't think it was going to help you, right? Right? You're not going to take it. This, if, there's, if there's such an expectation in with physical medicines, why don't we have a high expectation for the things of God, right? It's all right to have a good expectation. Number three, when we pray for healing, our prime concern must be for God to be glorified, not whether or not the person is healed. I know that's a hard pill to swallow for some people. Whether there's a healing or not, our aim is to glorify God. Number four, we ought to pray with the same kind of compassion that Jesus felt for those he healed. Number five, we need to face up to the pastoral problem that can occur when we raise people's expectation of miraculous healing and then nothing happens. Because that can lead to disappointment and anger. Let's use appropriate language. We're not diminishing faith in this moment, but we're saying God can heal. Maybe you need to sometimes be careful saying God will heal. This is why I wonder, this is a very famous Bible teacher. He wrote probably one of the biggest systematic theologies and is probably one of the most widely used uh, books. This is his summary on this topic. Firstly, not praying for healing at all is disobedient to Scripture. This guy's not Pentecostal. Telling people that God rarely heals today does not provide an atmosphere conducive to faith. That's why we believe God heals. Telling people that God always heals today 
if we have enough faith, can be cruel and unscriptural teaching. We can tell people that God can and does heal. I'm going to read you just one scripture uh, today. Um, I was led to this one uh, out of the myriads of a hundred and something stories. 2 Kings chapter 5. Um, I'm going to read the portion because I know a lot of people don't know this story. 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 to 14. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. So that's a region there around Israel somewhere. He was a, a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded. So he's, the, he's at the top of the food chain when it came to the military, but he was also a great man in the sight of the person above him. It's not easy to be that, right? And he's highly regarded because through him, listen to this, the Lord had given victory to Aram. So God used him, even though he wasn't part of the people of Israel. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Leprosy is a debilitating disease. Uh, it can refer to different types of skin conditions. Uh, the worst of it I've seen in India when people lose all their fingers or their hands or right up to the wrist. Um, it's actually, a, some of us have been there. It's actually, a, it's, pain, it's painful to see people that have like lost both hands, but lift what is left like a stump up in the air to worship Jesus. Leprosy is a very debilitating disease. And there can be a lot of debilitating things. But it doesn't stop us from worshipping. Right? When, um, so, verse 2. Now, when he got through verse 1. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, if only... The master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of leprosy. And um, Nahum went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And the king of Aram says, go, by all means, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And he left and he took 10 talents. I think that's like 160 um, pounds of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. I can't remember what that is, but it's a lot like we're talking bags and bags of it and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter that they took to the king of Israel said this, with this letter, I'm sending you my servant um, Naaman to you so that you can cure him of leprosy. Imagine getting that letter in the mail. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of this leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. There is no faith in this man. He doesn't turn to God to ask God what should be done. This is beyond me. How dare you? Do you just want to have a war with me? But Elisha, who's a prophet, man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robe, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? 
they were good clothes, man. Armani, whatever, I don't know. I don't have much fashion sense. I don't know all the brands, but you get the message. Why have you torn them? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Let him come to me. What's a healing? Just bring it. Bring it. It's all right. So Naaman went with his horse and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a message to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me. Just get that magic wand, Harry Potter. Where is he? Right? Which will just move that hand like this, wash on, wax off. I don't know what it is, but you know, just over the spot. Aren't all these other rivers better than the waters of Israel? Come on, come on. Come on, there's something I could have washed in something better. Why that place? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. How to get your healing up. Naaman's servants went to him and said, I call him father as respect. If the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. How much more then when he says to you, just wash and be cleansed. So he went and down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. You've got to do things God's way. Whatever we do in life, we've got to do it God's way. Seven, why seven? Because seven represents that number that God has given of himself. Completion, perfection, it's used over and over and over. Seven signs in John's gospel. Seven contrasts in in Revelation, it's everywhere. God uses it everywhere because God's way is the only way, right? It's not our way. And he says this, I thought, and that's the problem. I thought you could wave a magic wand. Oh, I thought that I'm more entitled to something better. I thought, I thought, I thought, and we need to, in every area, including the area of healing, put aside our prejudices and our preconceived ideas because of everything that we've been through in life and our own experiences of not being healed or being healed. It doesn't matter. We come with pre-understanding, a prejudice in our own thinking because I thought, I thought, but what does God think? What does God think about this situation? What does God think about your situation? I only need faith. If I only use this formula, I thought I, 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 thought I knew what it takes. Let's move away from limited thinking. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. I'm going to use Paul as a great example because he's a great man of faith that saw many miracles, right? Acts and is after Christ. Acts 28 verse 7. To eight. And he wasn't one of the original disciples. He wasn't part of the 12. So he stands in a league of his own, right? Acts 28, verse 7 to 8. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. These are really not the names you want to call your newborns, right? Publius the chief official of the island. 
So pub is there at the pub, right? I guess. He's the chief official. He welcomed us to his home, showed us generosity and hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Dysentery is not pleasant. It's like a really bad case of diarrhea. Paul went to see him and after he prayed, placed his hands on him. That's not me. I've got my COVID mask on in that room and I'm down the back on Jesus heal him, right? He placed his hands on him and healed him. Like this is a serious, you know, all jokes aside, it is diarrhea with blood in it. That's what dysentery is. It's a serious condition. And he, he just lays his hands on him, prays, and he's healed. But you read 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 20. It's just such an obscure scripture. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. And the household, I'm not going to get it right. One is for us. Somebody can say it better. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Excuse me? You heal somebody with a fever and dysentery, but your colleague that is meant to be ministering with you and you're going from place to place to serve the Lord is sick and you're going to leave him behind because we don't know how God is going to operate. We don't know how God is going to do things. We don't know what's going to take place. And Paul goes on and he keeps worshipping God and he keeps serving God. And if you read after this, if you follow it through in the book of Acts, some of the kind of that... uh, uh, Paul's ministry, you see he's full of faith. The next person that's sick, he still prays for them. Even though he's left his friend behind sick, he's left him behind sick, the scripture says. Let's find a balance. Let's find a balance. Why on earth would God leave that in there? He's not trying to take away faith. He's just trying to show us it's in his hands. It's in his hands and not ours. Our faith is in God and not outcomes. Like that, you should write down, tattoo on your forehead, but tattoo it backwards so when you look in the mirror, it reads the right way, right? Our faith is in God and not outcomes. Our faith is in God and not our situation. Our faith is in God and not what happens to us. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job worshipped him. Don't start judging everybody because of their condition. Don't say, oh, it's because of God. It's an allowance of God. How do we know what it is? How do we know if it's not the devil? How do we know if it's an allowance? How do we know if it's just life thrown at us? The fall of man and the disintegration of our DNA. Who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? God knows. Let's not say to people, oh, it's because you lack faith. How cruel can we be? Well, if you've got that much faith, why don't you heal them? Sorry. Sorry. I do get sometimes lack of faith can prevent things. I do get that. I went a bit farther. All right. David's praying for his sick child. It's a terrible situation. I know people in in this room have gone through that in life. And he fasts and he prays for that child and that child passes away. 
and he gets changed. He has a shower. He eats food. And everybody goes, what the heck? Look what he was going through when the child was sick. But now he's just, it's like he turned a corner. And they ask him, he said, look, while, while there was life, there was hope. But now I will go to be with him in the future. We hold this life with such a high view and eternity with such a little perspective. There will be total healing. It doesn't take away from our faith today. It doesn't take away from anything today because God heals today. But what it says to us is this, there is a greater hope than this world has to offer, that there is an eternity where my mental state will be free. There is an eternity where my physical state will be free. There's an eternity where the pain that I'm feeling and the anguish that I'm feeling, where every tear is wiped away, that eternity is coming for us. And we live in that kind of, that tension. We can have such a high view of life and such a low view of eternity. This is how Pastor Joel puts it. The show MasterChef. I love MasterChef. We even tried to do a couple of dishes. Failed. Um, they have the mystery boxes, like all kinds of different ingredients that you have to make a meal out of it. We've had to learn that there's sometimes a mystery box in life. The ingredients don't look right. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. We've had that. My dad dying from cancer. He's with the Lord. So I shouldn't be crying because, but I'm the crying pastor. That's the problem. A sick child at three months, sick for a long time. That was such a long journey. When we get to heaven, everything will be explained. And we'll worship and we'll thank him. But until then, we will be bold and we will be obedient. Every morning when you get up, you're going to say to God, if there's anyone you want me to pray for, I'm going to pray for them today. When somebody around you says, I'm not well or struggling with pain, I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to leave the rest to God. Let's stand together. The more you step out of your comfort zone, the more confident you will become in these moments. Talking about bold, Imogen and I had an amazing experience many, many years ago. We're at a large conference, a large conference of thousands and thousands of people with an international speaker. He'd been flown from overseas and we're in the meeting and he just points to a couple that probably a couple of thousand people deep and he just points, you, 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 you over there, you, you over there. And I'm looking, thinking, where's he pointing? And I could see two of my friends and because he's going, look, you two, no, somebody put, no, not you, you. And they put their hand up, I go, 
We know them. They're really, we know them. We know the family. We know, we've known some of the family members for like a decade or even longer. We know this family and we know what they're going through. In a year from now, you will have a child. What the heck? I'm sitting there. I'm on the other side of the room. Wow. Okay. Like that, that is big call, right? That is a big call. Guess what? A, a couple that could not have children. Because that's the story we knew. A couple that had struggled and struggled for years. This man who didn't know them from a bar of soap points them out, says one year from now you'll have a child. And one year, I don't know what they did from that conference moment, but I know this, they had a child one year later. They had a child one year later. Because God still heals today. God still heals today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week for more great messages and to stay up to date with what's happening at GLOW. For more information, check us out on our social media platforms or on our website, glowchurch.com. We hope you have an awesome week.